Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Episode 261 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. My name is Brian Salvatore, and thank you for joining us today. We are back with another episode. We have a little bit of Mets news in that former Met and all-around great person Carlos Beltran has announced his retirement. Chris and I will get into that in just a minute, as well as a couple of free agent rumors, and we'll answer your emails. So here is Chris McShane and myself talking about the Mets just last night. Well, Chris, it is uh, officially the off season. We have rumors about Mets' interest in free agents, their sort of off season plans. Uh, I guess the biggest one, which just just kind of broke today, we're recording this on Wednesday, the fifteenth uh, of November, was that the Mets are more interested in signing an outfielder who can also play first base or a just straight up first baseman rather than signing a purely outfielder. So that that does kind of limit some of the Mets' free agents that they had been linked to. Uh, Lorenzo Cain was one. But it also seems to bolster the idea of maybe the Mets going after a first baseman. 
I know Carlos Santana's name has been bandied about. The Mets are nowhere near alone in that desire to have Santana on the team. Uh, you know, there is the Cleveland connection there with Callaway, and uh, you know, I, I think he'd be a a much preferred choice over Dom Smith. However, it seems a little bit unlikely at this point. So, what is your general feeling about the Mets and their pursuit of Carlos Santana? Well, overall, to me, it's encouraging. Uh, you know, I don't know that what they've said about Dom Smith publicly is necessarily the best thing uh, recently, but I don't think it's uh, a nightmare scenario or, you know, oh my goodness, how how could they go and say something negative about him publicly? I, I think Sandy Alderson thought about that before doing it. Um, I don't think that was a spur of the moment thing or, you know, meant to be an insult. But he, he didn't say anything particularly inflammatory. He said, you know, essentially he might have to earn his starting job and that maybe he isn't quite ready yet. But I think that's a fair assessment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the way he performed at the major league level, uh, I think, showed that. And he's still very young. And, you know, we may not be among the um, highest people on, on Dom Smith. Um, maybe not the lowest either, but... You know, he came up with this great defensive reputation, and uh, that part of his game didn't really show at the major league level. Um, you know, for a kid who comes up for the first time to struggle in terms of hitting, uh, you know, he, he hit the home runs that he hit, but overall his his line was not really good. That's fine. I, I could chalk that up to being a rookie late in the season, that kind of thing. I mean, I'm going into uh, 2018 excited about Ahmed Rosario and you know, his hitting line wasn't really anything spectacular. Um, but, but Rosario but, seemed so much more comfortable though in almost right. every way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so with Smith, it's just, he struggles at the plate. Okay. Kind of expected that. Don't know if it'll ever be better than that, but it, that that's fine. You know, I, I can live with it. Um, but the part of his game that was raved about by his uh, biggest supporters as a prospect being legitimately bad was concerning. Um, you know, so it's it's not to say that you write him off forever, but man, Carlos Santana is he, he's good. Um, and it's probably like... the... go ahead. Oh yeah, no, probably the type of guy who would be underappreciated by Mets fans. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like Lucas Duda with maybe slightly fewer home runs in the same ballpark, but slightly fewer home runs, a little bit better on base percentage. Um, his averages, I think, are, have been a little bit higher than Duda's, but somebody sort of in that spirit. Uh, Which, as who, you know, is my shit. Like that, <laughs> Those are the players I really enjoy. Yes, Lucas did as a free agent, uh, but, you know. Oh, just as oh, a oh I know. <laughs> <laughs> if I was doing an AAOP, he would be a part of it. Yeah, but yeah, it's, you know, I mean, one thing I'll say, just looking at it with Santana, and, and um, selfishly, if he became a Met, uh, it would make it a little bit harder for me to pick him up in fantasy leagues where I get him every year, where half <laughs> the leagues are Mets fans. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, um, just in terms of the Duda comp, his strikeout and walk rates are probably uh, a little bit better. He, he doesn't strike out quite as much, um, gets on base at a well above average clip. You know, his defense isn't going to win him any gold gloves, but he's the kind of guy that you can you, you can rely on. And, you know, obviously he switched off catching and played in the American League where even when he was catching, he had the opportunity to DH at times and all that. But since his first full season, dude, has, his low is 143 games. And every other season beside that, He's been at one, you know, one fifty something. Right. Um, that uh, I forget when it was sort of a popular thing to say, um, but it was somewhere along the line of every Met being hurt, uh, recurring theme. Yep. <laughs> you know that that health is a skill, right? That concept. Um, Carlos Santana is a great hitter. He's never had a below league average season. Um, you know, when you adjust for park and league and what everybody else is doing, and he's never not played a full season. Those are two things that are immensely valuable. Um, and, you know, if it means Dom Smith doesn't have a future as the first baseman of the New York Mets, whatever that means for his, you know, next few years, then so be it. I, I'd, Sign me up. I'm <laughs> I'm on board. Um, and the last thought on him, I guess, especially for a team where best case scenario is Cespedes and Conforto and their teammates drink tons of water, which has been something that the Mets have talked about a lot. Yep. Like every possible media appearance is talk about hydration. Yeah. I feel like, like, did they not know Jerry Seinfeld has a bit on hydration <laughs> like is that i almost feel like the uh you know if, if they have a special night this year it should just be jerry seinfeld coming out and doing the the hydrate bit of his uh it's it's weird but best case scenario they drink a lot of water everybody's healthy feeling good conforto and cespedes are excellent hitters everybody else who they currently have in house to me is you know, reasonable expectations would be league average or slightly above. Right. So, you know, when you we only have two guys who you're like, oh, those are great hitters and everybody else is okay, that's not enough. Um, and Santana being Mr. Healthy and, and always consistently better than average. Um, there you go. So that's – sorry, that was long – but, but, I, but I guess my bigger question is I, I've he's seen, my dude. Uh, yeah, uh, I've seen some folks think that he will be relatively affordable for the Mets. Um, in terms of you know uh, he he he's going to get far less than uh, that uh, that chucklehead from uh, Kansas City. What's his name? I'm Hosmer. Hosmer. Trying to be blank there. And, like that's crazy to me that he yeah. that he will get less than Hosmer. But I believe it. You know, um, do you think that he'll get enough less than Hosmer to make the Mets a serious contender for him? I mean, in isolation, any 
single player seems like they could fit the Mets budget. Right. It's it's just, you know, is that player then the entirety of the Mets budget? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, in the reality that they're living in, I could see a, you know, a scenario where they can get Santana, bolster the bullpen with maybe one great reliever. Uh, my campaign is basically bring back Addison Reed, but, you know, maybe something like a Santana, Reed, and three, you know, three guys of varying levels uh, who are above the Fernando Salas tier in the bullpen. And that's probably pushing the limits of, you know, based on everything we've heard about what they're willing to spend. I, I, I'm maxing out and maybe then some. But yeah, it, it's a scenario where I could see it working. If he's at like 20 million and Reed needs nine, um, you know, that that's pretty much got you right to your 30 number that's been bandied about. Right. Um, but then throwing a few other relievers at three, four million a year, you're not blowing past it, um, in a, in a significant way. So I could see a scenario where it happens. See, I, I, I feel like, uh, I guess I'm just so jaded. I, I don't, I don't see a way that the Mets get it done unless Callaway and he have a good relationship from their time in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a thing where, uh, uh, what am I, I'm trying to think of how to, you know, put it, but if the Mets are just saying starting pitching isn't something that we're going to spend money on, which is a mistake. Yes, I don't even want to say I think it's a mistake. It no, just is. It is, yeah. it is a mistake. Uh, and, and all the resources are going elsewhere. I I wish they could be a little more honest with themselves about what their pitching situation is, but I'm glad that they seem to be honest about the first base situation. Yes, I'll agree with that. I thought for sure, and I think I might have, I might have even said this in the podcast, that like, you know, it's just there's no use even daydreaming about another first baseman besides Dom Smith. But it seems that that's not the case. That's a good thing. And it also seems like they want a second baseman, that they're looking at um, Cabrera as their everyday third baseman, at least to start. You know, I don't know if Wright's even in the conversation anymore. Right. I can't imagine he is. But you, know, you figure Cabrera and Flores sharing time at third base and they want to go out and acquire a second baseman, perhaps. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I don't know if they have trade chips. I don't know if there's a second baseman they can afford along with Santana. Right. I mean, the thing that's frustrating about just the overall sound of it is, uh, you know, if you have some players who might fall into a price that makes them bargains are the Mets out just because they, you know, they spent whatever their budget is. And also, you know, if there's a guy who can help you in 2019 and 20, spend the money. You know, 
the David Wright contract, anybody, anybody who listens knows how I feel about people who can complain about Wright taking his money that he absolutely should take. Right, yeah. But even in a world where he bounces back and he's healthy and they have to pay his entire salary, it starts going down soon, you know? And, and they have they have plenty of flexibility which has always been a you know favorite word to add guys who help for more than 2018 it's not just that and you know i i doubt the uh the team is stockpiling money so it can get every top free agent in the amazing class of free agents next year right but even if that's your excuse if there are guys who are out there now who are going to command two or three year deals they're only available now. Yeah, and I think that, you know, unfortunately, the the cupboard is bare prospect-wise for a little while. You know, there there's nobody this season who is, who is necessarily banging down the door to be a huge game-changer for them right now. So this is a season you have to go out and you have to spend that little bit of money. Now, are there a couple of bullpen arms probably in the minors someplace that they could whip out yeah absolutely but i'd feel better if there are one or two more sure pieces out of the bullpen you know is there a chance that all seven or whatever their starting pitchers are healthy and effective yeah there's a chance but i don't like those chances you know it seems to me like uh callaway has been really emphasizing uh in terms of starters you know obviously Degrom and Syndergaard, and then harvey and lugo are the two names i've heard him talk about a lot um, yeah. So I don't know if that if that means that you know he sees Gazelman as a as a bullpen piece or uh, you know Zach Wheeler as a bullpen piece uh, or if Rafael Montero is still in the conversation. Um, you know, I, I think Matts is obviously going to start the year in the rotation, but who knows what happens to Matts either? To me, that is such a huge question mark, and for them to not consider it at all is crazy. For them to not be trying to bring in at least, at the very least, both R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon. I don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. Maybe they'll surprise us, you know. But uh, there's only, like, we, we've, and I think overall I've been supportive of Sandy Alderson and uh, his tenure as GM. Oh, but I certainly have, yeah. But, you know, there's only so many times that you can hear public comments and then say, well, maybe he's just trying to deceive everybody. That generally hasn't been his style. Right. Like, I'm not saying he's laying out the exact plan, but I really don't think over the years there have been too many times that he's done, you know, said something along the lines of what they've said about starting pitching and then gone out and gotten, you know, the best players at that position, uh, like a total reversal of it. I, I, I think there's some truth. Maybe it's vague, but I think there's yeah. some truth in it. I do not think the Mets are signing a starting pitcher who requires more than a one-year deal. So maybe that means, you know, Dickey comes back uh, or, or somebody of that sort of like back of the rotation, roll the dice – kind of thing but i will be shocked if they sign even alex cobb who's somebody who i have you know kind of 
like for them. Right. Um, the AOP faithful love Tyler Chatwood for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like five or six people have mentioned Tyler Chatwood. I mean, it's it's always an interesting thing to take a guy out of Colorado. Yeah, and they were essentially they were saying that if you look at his home road splits, his road numbers, you know, were quite good last year, and that you know he would only be playing maximum starting one game in Colorado. So, you know, it's it's worth it. I I don't know if it's necessarily the uh, I don't know if it's the best move, but yeah, if 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 our AOP community were in charge of the Mets. The two players that would be on the Mets next season, no matter what, are Tyler Chatwood and uh, Jerickson Profar. <laughs> a lot of Profar trades. Uh, yeah, hey, you know, maybe he finds it. I, I doubt it'll be here, but maybe he finds it. Yeah. Uh, finally. Yeah. I mean, look, if it was for a flyer, I'd take a flyer on that deal, but. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. But who knows? Um, any other free, I know we focused a lot on Carlos Santana, any other free agents piquing your interest? Um, well, I, I know the emails touch on the, the marquee guy, but, uh, we'll, we'll get to him in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it's not an amazing class of free agents. Like, you, you know, in a world where they had, uh, unlimited funds, then I might be a little more excited for you know some of the guys who who are questionable. Um, but I'm I'm just not not even in like a making excuses for the Mets payroll kind of way. I've never been crazy about Mustakis or Hosmer. Same. Um, you know they they've each put up good seasons at different points. Um. They've also had bad ones. I don't know. So they're not really there for me. I mean, I guess in a dream world, I would love Darvish to be a Met. Um, you know, I know he hasn't been quite himself over the last couple of years since uh, coming back from Tommy John, uh, but he's still been good. And there's definitely talent there. Um, you know, I always sort of lean towards having a thing for pitching. So, you know, that would be my dream uh, signing, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, my sort of free agent I'd love to see, and I think there's a halfway decent chance, again, because of the Callaway connection and because he's a former Met, would be Joe Smith. Yeah. See, that feels like a, a reality-appropriate dream. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I can see that happen again. Like, I hope that Joe Smith wouldn't be the only pitcher they'd sign this off season, but right, you know, he he'd probably be the only pitcher with a multi year deal if they if they went after him, which again is bonkers. They should be signing three guys like that. Oh yeah, um, but you know, we'll see. Um, well, should we get into the emails? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, we heard from our friend Mikey from Corning, New York, and he said that he feels the Mets should sign Shohei Otani. Is Shohei correct? Do we know? Shohei? Uh, yeah, I would go Shohei, Shohei myself. See, I was I was told in my one semester of Japanese that E-I is really pronounced A-E. 
like you would say it that way, but I've never actually heard it in practice. So I think my one semester of Japanese has led me astray here. So we'll go Shohai. Shohai Otani. Um, I understand this is probably the least Aldersonian thing ever, and there's a lot of complexities with the posing system and the international free agent signing. Pool money that I don't fully understand. But he's one of our more glaring holes, as well as anyone else out there for the money he'd be signing for, even if we just bring him in predominantly as a starting pitcher. He doesn't have to be an ace pitcher. We have our aces. He'd slot right on as a strong, and I'd say very strong, third or fourth starter, and a cleanup at bench without, lo- without using another roster spot. He also has experience in the outfields. Maybe put him out there every so often to get an outfit with some rest. I wouldn't expect him to be a two-way player with the Mets, but there's no reason not to utilize his bat every so often when he's not on the mound. It's a pipe dream, I know. Um, yeah, so what do you think about Otani coming over to the Mets? It, first of all, do you think whatever team signs him is going to use him as a two-way player or no? Uh... I guess it depends on the context, but I would generally say yes, they'll at least try, if only because I think he's going to want that, you know, if he's making a decision. Right. Since, since the money is limited um, in terms of what he can earn initially, uh, you know, that that is probably an important thing to him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of fascinating to to think about that, but I think – he will get that chance at least early on. Uh, you know, how you balance the load on his arm with playing a position if he's in the National League. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how strong his desire is to play the field and hit regularly. Uh, but, you know, if it's if it's not that strong, then I think the American League is a clear advantage because he can hit... Uh, pretty much as often as he wants. You know, maybe you want to give him a day off after he pitches and then he DHs the next few games. And and uh, if I'm an American League team and I get him and I have somebody in the organization who's like the best defender but can't hit, then when Otani pitches, he's hitting. <laughs> right, right. Somebody else is being DHed for while they, you know, play shortstop or center field or whatever uh at, at an elite level um but yeah no he'd, he'd be obviously a great fit for the mets i don't think they're actually going to get him it sounds it's nice that they're at least saying that they're interested and in going to put together a pitch for him because up until this point that you know there's official news that he's definitely going to be posted he's coming over um they didn't really indicate anything right you know they weren't they weren't among the teams that were at that large uh scouting event this year <clears throat> this year so yeah I, I i hope they are giving it genuine effort it would be fascinating if he came to the mets and wants to play you know more or less every day uh just how the Mets would construct their outfield will be very interesting uh, with with him in the conversation. And while I agree with you about the American League being a better fit because of the DH, I wonder if he would want to be more of that, um, more of that National League, you know, like, like you said, you know, hitting hitting every time he pitches. And not that an American League team couldn't do that, 
but I think they'd be reluctant to do that. I think I think an American League team will be would almost treat him like two separate players. Would treat him like a pitcher and like an offensive player. Whereas in the National League, that line might get a little bit more, more blurred. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's gonna be very it's gonna be fascinating whoever he signs with. Although I don't believe it's the Mets, unfortunately. Uh, we also have an email from our friend David, and he says, "What's up, guys?" Have you seen the Fangraphs free agent projections? Wow, crazy expensive, but the worst is the length of the deals. However, I think there might be some nice fits for the Mets at a good price. What do you guys think? And then he lists Tyler Chatwood for two to three years at $12 million per year. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez on a one-year reset value at $15 million. Um, Jake McGee, two years, $7 million. Joe Smith, two years, $5 million. And Chris Tillman... Uh, one year, eight million for sort of a uh, rebuild year. Any of those players check a box for you? We all know how I feel about Smith. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with Smith. Uh, Jake McGee too would be good. Carlos Gonzalez, if he's looking for a one year deal, uh, sure, sign me up. You know, I'm I, I tend to be a little more patient with players who have been great. Right. In terms of writing them off forever, uh, a theme you may have noticed if you've read or listened to anything from <laughs> from from me yeah. over the years, uh, you know I don't know that Carlos Gonzalez finds it again, and I don't know that the Mets are the best fit for him to try to do it. Um, it seems like the Mets have enough questionable outfielders at this point. Yeah, I mean. It's, it, you know, when you look back at him, it's it's kind of hard to believe that it's been as long as it has since he had a great season. Has it been like four years? Yeah, I mean, and not that it's the only thing, you know. I mean, in 2015, he hit 40 home runs before the ball was juiced. Right. Um, two and a half win season by Fangraph's war. Uh, that's solid. That, that's definitely not nothing. Um, but it's been 2014. No, sorry, 2013 was the um the last time that was a 4.7 win season. Um, again on Fangraphs, that's getting you into being you know better than a solid player. Um, and that that's been a little while, but I don't know. I did. At this point, if somebody like that's available as a bargain, <laughs> the Mets could use the help. You know, if we're rolling dice, I'd, I'd roll them on a guy who has that track record. Yeah. Um, today there was some news that Michael Conforto's shoulder is healing very nicely and that he should be ready for spring training. With that in mind, I'm less likely to, to sign a uh, another outfielder of this caliber. I think it's fine to sign a... Uh, either a defensive first center fielder or, as Alderson said, maybe an outfielder slash first baseman. But Cargo somebody. If Cargo is hitting, I can't see the team sitting Cargo. Right. And he's not a center fielder. So then you're back no. to having uh, Conforto play center field and come off a shoulder injury. That's probably not wise. And we know that Cespedes no longer wants to play center field. So I, I don't know how you manage that if if all three of them are healthy at that point. Yeah, 
I am with you on that. Um, and then the other two guys, just for the record, I could be completely wrong about this. I don't really buy it with Chatwood. <laughs> if, if I squint hard enough, I can see it, but it's not. It doesn't stand. Yeah, out to I, me. I mean, I could, I could see him being useful. Um, and maybe that's the point. Maybe people are just you know wanting that because useful would be an improvement. Um, and then Chris Tillman. Uh, it, I, I really don't see it. Now, granted, he you know had some decent seasons and everything, and then in 2017 was just a disaster. And hey, he could bounce back, but I don't know, just not my style of pitchers. But again, I could be wrong. Maybe you should draft them in your fantasy leagues and <laughs> you know beat me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I don't know. I don't see it. the relievers here and and and. The hypothetical on Gonzalez, at least, um, a little more on board with. Yeah, I've also seen. Uh, is it Brian Shaw from uh, Cleveland discussed a lot? Yes. Yeah, and uh, you, I, I just trashed a, you know a Chris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that particular Brian. He's, he's pretty good though. He's fine. Yeah, I mean, again, if the Mets are going to sign two or three relievers, I'd be fine if Shaw was one of them. I yeah. don't want him to be the reliever they sign. Yeah. See, if I were you, I'd, I'd say B-R-Y. No, no, no. That's not like... I mean, nope. that, that's a bullshit way to spell. Everyone knows that. But, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. a different story. If Chris Tillman was K-R-I-S Tillman, I'd just... No. Nope. Nope. Dumb. I mean, I already dismissed him. But then I'd say, like, no, he shouldn't even be a major leaguer. <laughs> uh, I, I had somebody once tell me that they don't like Brian's with an I because they always read it as brain. And at least with a Y, you're given an out instantly. Yeah. But the way I say it, learn to read. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh but fair, I think. Um, all right, we have one more email. If you want to email us, you can always do so at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. This is from our friend Matt. He says uh, he wants to know whether 3.88 seconds from home plate to first constitutes plus or plus plus speed. Chris, I cannot speak cogently on this. Can you? So based on uh, absorbing knowledge from those who can, uh, you know, folks like former Amazing Avenue audio hosts, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and then just some of the StatCast stuff that's been out there, I think sub four seconds for anyone uh, home to first is plus plus so it's a three eight eight to me we just off the top of my head without going back and referencing it would seem to definitely fall into that category um but i also don't have you know a firsthand scale of that i don't bring a stopwatch to games uh you know so i'm not well versed uh in in that sense but i i think uh, when you look at times, that is probably very elite. Uh, so, yeah, that's my best guess. I know Byron Buxton hit an inside-the-park home run that he got around the bases in some absurd amount of time this year. Yeah. Um, that I'm going to look up now because why not? That's what we do on this show. <laughs> yeah. We take uh, tangents and we uh, search for things. There we go. 
I, I googled it, and the first result: Byron Buxton breaks his own in uh, inside the park home run. Yeah, <laughs> uh, man, dude, home to home in thirteen point eight five seconds. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah, that's that's absurd. And and granted, like you can you know be a little more efficient once you get going, and and you know if you take a perfect path. Um. But that is, uh, like, it's hard to believe. There are four stages in that run, right? Home to first, first to second, second to third, third to home. He is doing each of those stages in less than four seconds. Yep, and, like, significantly less than the questions 3.88. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know where that falls on the scale, but, it you know, whatever it is, that is, you know, that's probably Jose Reyes... As a twenty-three or twenty-four-year-old Carlos Gomez around that age, you know, right. probably that level of speed, maybe even a little bit better. But, uh, but yeah, that's absurd. Yeah. And uh, one last note to end on: Congratulations, Carlos Beltran, on a stellar career. We are both uh, big fans over here. Amazing Avenue has a new Carlos Beltran-specific shirt out there. So if you want a shirt that says Muchas Gracias Carlos, go to AmazingAvenue.com and grab that shirt. Limited time only. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were, jo- uh... we were joking in our Slack today that uh, for Chris, the Carlos actually is Carlos Torres, as we know he's <laughs> a big fan. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. Uh, congratulations, Carlos Beltran. Hell of a career. I'm trying to think if there's another Carlos. I mean, obviously Delgado. Yeah. I was saying that for me, it's Carlos D from Interpol. For those first two uh, Interpol yes. albums. So. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's you will still encounter. Yeah. You know, it's sharp. And uh, the, the, the cut, you know, it's, um, it's primarily breaking tease thing, but uh, the cut that, goes to us we'll go to beltron's you know uh puerto rican hurricane relief fund so uh there's there's some good cause involved in it and uh yeah you will still encounter mets fans who harp on the last out of the nlcs and shape their perception of an all-time great met and hall of famer on that and you should ignore those people and not listen to any of their baseball opinions about anything. There was uh, there was some talk around the Amazing Avenue Slack today about uh, how a blame Beltron shirt would have sold better. <laughs> but yeah, if I, I, you know, it's uh, we're trying to be positive. I'm, well, yeah, and uh, I wonder if the Players Association would get that. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Long explanation of, like, no, this is the term of endearment. Yeah. Well, that uh, was like, I remember, uh, I, I had run it by, I think it was Eric last year, how I wanted to make a, a Duda shirt that just said the good first baseman. And yeah. uh, I believe that was nixed as well, for, for possibly similar reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, hey. Saying someone is good should be a compliment, but you, right. you, you know how it is. Oh yeah, I mean, I think we should, uh, you know, just make a shirt that says "Green Ricky." But 
Yeah. Correct that's here is a green for, man. That's a topic for another po- Oh, my. Yeah. At some point this winter, I don't want to set expectations too high for all of you. But I believe Craig and the Green Man have never actually spoken, and I would love to get that to happen and have it be part of this show. Uh, yeah, let's make that happen. <laughs> let's try and make it happen in person, if possible. Yeah, I actually think that we could, uh, you know, I mean, we're just openly planning here on the show, but I think we That's could right. not sell tickets to that, but we could fill a room with, like, Green Man versus Craig. Yeah. yeah. Winner takes all. The the nerdiest showdown of nerds <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think we? Do you think there's enough like hardcore Green Man fans out there to get some face paint involved? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, one of the gatherings uh, one winter for years back. He actually showed up, or no, he didn't show up. Some uh, John Presser, who used to be uh, an active member of Mets Twitter, but then got a job doing baseball things and disappeared as he sort of had to. Right. Um, he had brought like a printout on a little cardboard, um, <laughs> not cardboard, like the popsicle stick. Yeah. 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 Uh, of, uh, of Steve's avatar. So he, <laughs> he had a green Ricky to hold up in front of his face in real life. That's pretty awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're planning it. You're here to hear first. Uh, even though neither participant has okayed this whatsoever. <laughs> They're on the hook now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, well, until next time, let's let's just dream on that uh, on that match made in heaven. Aaron York for Amazing Avenue Audio, and for today's segment, I want to talk about some some uh, under the radar options that the Mets could look into for second base and third base, which is a position that the team is probably going to look to fill with some sort of bat. They did resign, or they picked up the option on is Drupal Cabrera. The other day, and what that, and he'll he could start at second base or third base. He had a really strong finish to the season after it looked like he was going to be traded, but he's back in the fold now. He he's been a solid hitter for the Mets over the last two years. Uh, his his base running that was really bad took away of a from a lot of his value, but he he's been an above average hitter, and and the Mets are going to get him for less than ten million dollars, so that is a good deal for them. Now, what that option does, along with the expected arbitration rate raises for a number of players, is it cuts down on what the Mets are expected to spend this offseason. It doesn't look like they're going to be in on the premier guys like Mike Moustakas, like J.D. Martinez. This is based on a recent Newsday story about the Mets lowering their salary below $150 million. So the Mets are going to have to find some diamonds in the rough if they want to fill those infield positions. This is obviously assuming David Wright doesn't come back. You put Asdrubal Cabrera either at second base or third base, and you fill the other guy, the other spot with a free agent. And and one of those guys I wanted to look at was Danny Valencia. He is a guy that met many Mets fans aren't that familiar with because he spent almost his entire career 
maybe his entire career in the American League, but he can uh, he can play multiple positions. He can play a little outfield. He can play second base or third base, and he's going to be affordable. He's 33 years old, coming off a a down year in Seattle after a pretty excellent 2016 with Oakland. And he's he's been a decent power guy in the past. Doesn't strike out too too much. Usually between twenty and twenty five percent. So that's not a these days that's not a crazy high strikeout rate for a guy who can hit uh, as many as twenty home runs in a season. So he's someone whose his performance in twenty seventeen is going to bring down his price tag, and he get, could give a little pop and versatility to the Mets lineup. Uh, so that's one option. Another one who is a third baseman is Trevor Plouffe. He split this last season between Oakland and Tampa Bay and was pretty bad. He wasn't didn't play up to his his uh, the level he played at in Minnesota for most of his career, but he's still in his early 30s, so he's on the, maybe the tail end of his prime. You could expect to bounce back and get him on the cheap if the Mets are really strapped for cash. I think Plouffe could be a good option. In the past, he's played... Decent defense, and he strikes out less than 20% while hitting home runs somewhere in the teens. So it's just he's a pretty average bat to below average bat, but you take the contact, you take the defense, you take the Mets mixing in some other options, and he could be a useful bat to have around if the Mets could, if the Mets want to go for a really bargain option there. That's and Ploof is just a third baseman, someone who plays second base really well is Brendan Phillips, who we, we saw we saw perform really well at age 36 for the Braves last season. And this is a guy who's gonna probably be in a short-term deal because of his age, but he's he's aged really well. He hasn't seen a total drop-off uh, in performance since his uh his Reds days when he was really successful and an all-star player. He's not at that level anymore, but he still plays great defense. He made a ton of contact last year, still hit more than 10 home runs, and is a good all-around guy to have at second base for a year or two. He is someone I think the Mets should should look at pretty seriously, considering how solid he's been, and he's a pretty high-floor guy. I think at the very least he's going to make contact, he's going to play solid defense. If, if his power finally declines and he hits fewer than 10 home runs, you're going to Miss miss some power there because everyone's supposed to hit for power these days. But I think he could hit between you know somewhere between ten and fifteen home runs again, and this guy could still go. That's why the Braves were able to move him to the Angels at midseason last year. So maybe someone the Mets can get on a one or two year deal that can plug that second base hole for a little bit. Either that, or they could try to come back to Neil Walker, but. Walker is probably be a little more expensive. We know Neil Walker can hit for power. We know the things he can do. Although on the other side, we know that Walker had a good time playing for the Mets, and and he's uh, he's younger, so a little bit more more upside, especially in the power department. Um, but he might play. He might go out of New York's price range. We know cash has always been an option for this club the past few years, so. So those are uh, three under-the-radar options. You have Valencia, who can play second base or third base. Trevor Plouffe plays third base. And Brandon Phillips plays second base. Three under-the-radar guys that the Mets might look at because they're probably not going to be able to afford the the top-of-the-line free agent options. 
So this has been Aaron York from Mason Avenue Audio. ago, we were basking in the glow of a National League pennant. Let's turn back the clock, not too far, of course, and examine the five best games from that magical 2015 regular season. We start, as always, with number five, September 13th at Turner Field, just when the Braves thought for once they had the Mets in this three-game series. Atlanta punctured holes in the Mets' bullpen to turn a 4-3 deficit into a 7-4 lead heading into the top of the ninth. Daniel Murphy was due up fifth. His teammates would need to string together at least two productive plate appearances for him to try and atone from some earlier fielding faux pas. It took until there were two outs before Juan Lagares doubled and Curtis Granderson walked to give Murphy the chance. Still backed against the wall, Number 20 lifted a Ryan Kelly pitch over it. A rather ordinary seesaw day for Murphy remained on high when he drove in another run in the next inning. It was with far less flair and with far less importance. When he drew a bases on balls, the Mets had already been the beneficiary of a walk and an error that accounted for two more runs. Murphy's extra contribution was merely window dressing for a team that could see the playoffs in plain sight. But a definite certainty was the Mets had 82 wins, clinching their first over 500 season since 2008. A few weeks earlier came our fourth-ranked game, August 27th at Philadelphia. Jeff Francois' 10th inning grounder eyed center field until Mets reliever Carlos Torres' reflexes and the side of his foot changed the ball's direction. It deflected to his left in the area of Daniel Murphy, who barehanded and blindly flipped to the pitcher covering first base. If you needed any visual proof that the rejuvenated Mets were steamrolling through August en route to a 28 record, look no further than that play. Torres's kick save turned into a beauty of a win when the Mets blew open a long-standing 5-5 tie with four runs in the 13th, ensuring that the bullpen's seven shutout innings of allowing only seven hits and no walks wouldn't go without reward. Torres actually started the winning rally with the leadoff single, augmenting his extended contributions on the mound. Curtis Granderson moved him over to second, and then Murphy transported both homeward on a double, marking the first score by either side since the fifth. David Wright, recently removed from the disabled list, and Michael Conforto, each had run-producing at-bats as well to polish off a 9-5 victory and a four-game road sweep of Philadelphia, in which the Mets outscored the Phils 40-21. Following that thrilling victory, the Mets regressed. By September 7th, the five-and-a-half-game lead they had built up through a galvanizing four-week stretch shrunk to three. Now they encountered their toughest test yet. The sweep of the Washington Nationals five weeks ago proved the Mets were unafraid of the supposed division champs. But no longer would they enjoy the comfort of City Field. The support they had in D.C., strong as it might have been, wouldn't match the flushing environment. When Wilson Ramos unloaded a grand slam off Jonathan Neese to help tack on five fourth-inning runs and take a two-run advantage, 
the Nets, riding a five-game win streak, appeared ready to keep reeling the Mets in. But it would be New York laying down the comeback trail. A run in the fifth and a run in the sixth, both against starter Max Scherzer, preceded the conclusive seventh versus a succession of four Washington relievers. Ioannis Cespedes's double, which brought home David Wright from first with the slide that beat the relay and an emphatic fist pump toward the ground, was the exclamation point on a three-run frame that sent a portion of Nationals Park scurrying toward the exits. While the Mets buried Washington's woeful bullpen, the Nats were held scoreless and managed only three hits following Nice's departure. It only got better the next night, although you wouldn't know it after watching six innings. Matt Harvey, eventually named NL Comeback Player of the Year, took a slight step backwards. Washington tugged on the cape of the dark night a few too many times for him to feel comfortable. He exited with one out in the sixth, down 7-1, and found a unique method to solve the simmering innings limit debate between his agent and Mets management. The coup de grace came when Michael A. Taylor hit a bases-loaded single that skipped under the glug of the coup de grace came when a Michael A. Taylor bases-loaded single skipped under the glove of Ioannis Cespedes in center field and allowed all runners to mosey around uncontested, creating the six-run separation. Cespedes, though, atoned. He came up in the seventh against Drew Storen with the full supply of traffic on the base paths and roped a three-run double down the left field line to cut the deficit to one. Storen was unable to locate the strike zone on three consecutive batters, forcing in the equalizer and setting up Kirk Neuenheis' rare moment in the spotlight. During this 2015 season, he went from the Mets, across to the Angels, back to the Mets, and down to AAA. Like any player who had been in this position before, Kirk probably wondered if he'd ever get called back up. But when the Major League rosters expanded on September 1st, a spot was his. He had economized his three home runs this year to a single game at City Field in July and created the latest surprise in the Mets' surprising turnaround. Jonathan Papelbon served an eighth-inning pitch down the heart of the plate, which Neuenheis cranked into the right field stands for New York's seventh unanswered score. The David Wright to Daniel Murphy to Lucas Duda round-the-horn double play in the ninth officially stamped one of the franchise's greatest rallies and simultaneously broke the backs of the Nats. That game, number two on our list, might have been the unofficial end to the NL East race, but the turning point to the 2015 regular season and the number one game on our list occurred on July 31st. The end result of that game and that week, a walk-off home run in extra innings, is nothing without context. For a team that over the past three decades has tested its fan base with a Russian novel's worth of 180-degree narrative turns, the week that led up to the opener of a showdown with Washington stretched the bounds of emotional whiplash. We start with Monday, July 27th, after getting Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson from Atlanta and after a call-up of Michael Conforto, the Mets get Tyler Clippard from the A's. Then on Tuesday, the Clippard edition is validated after it's announced that reliever Henry Mejia tested positive for the same steroid that got him an 80-game suspension. The result is a new 162-game ban. We go to July 29th, where Wilmer Flores' own personal soap opera plays out in full view. The Mets had apparently traded Flores to Milwaukee, in which he sobs on the field, 
and yet they don't substitute for him. And it turns out to be nothing to be sobbing over, as New York's deal to acquire Carlos Gomez for Flores and Zach Wheeler is ultimately nixed. Now Thursday, July 30th, sadness turns to anger as Jerry's Familia blows his third save opportunity since the All-Star break. The San Diego Padres complete a six-run comeback when Justin Upton goes deep with two outs and two on in the top of the ninth, a rally that's interrupted twice by ninth-inning rain delays. All that was prelude to the happiest of endings, a date in which everything changed for the better, a date that began with the pursuit and eventual obtainment of Cespedes, without having to relinquish Wheeler, and ended in feel-good storybook fashion with Flores hitting a walk-off home run in the 12th inning to give the Mets a critical series opening victory. The only tears on this night were joyous ones, a blissful atmosphere that permeated over Queens through the rest of the summer and into the fall. That's all for this list. I'm Brian Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at BrianWright86. folks that does it for another installment of amazing avenue audio thank you so much for listening we truly appreciate it you're helping us get through this off season and hopefully we're helping you get through the off season as well so please go to amazingavenue.com where you can check out uh, free agent profiles or player seasons in review or our aaop which we will be talking about the finalists for that uh, and perhaps the winner for that next episode so stay tuned aaop fans you can also find on AmazingAvenue.com any news. Um, we do a really fun thing called the Mets Monday Mind Boggler, which is a little trivia thing that I do every week, and I kick myself for who I forget each week. So check that out and everything else at AmazingAvenue.com. You can also find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show at BlogTalkRadio.com, where you can download it directly, or you can download it from Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or your podcatcher of choice. While you're in Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. All three of those things really do help us to reach more people, and that's a good thing. So thank you in advance for doing that. And you can follow all of our contributors on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Chris is at Chris McShane. Aaron is at Aaron P. York. And Brian is at BrianWright86. If you have an email question for us, which we would really appreciate, you can send it to podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. And we will see you next time. And so until then, let's go Mets.